Welcome to The Winsome Creationist, where we explore God's world using a model-building approach, interact with a gracious tone, and take a firm stand on the literal truth of creation found in God's Word. Join host Steve Schramm and occasional guests as they explore the mysteries and majesties from creation to the flood, Babel to the cross, and everywhere in between. And now, here's your host. Hey there, my friends. Welcome into another episode of The Winsome Creationist. Hey, in this one, I want to have sort of a just a candid discussion with you on and verbalize something out loud that I think some of us have probably been struggling with or thinking about for some time. And just, I think it's healthy to have a sort of open conversation about it and, and think through these ideas out loud, so to speak. That's what I plan to do. And if you would like to uh, join me by uh, thinking out loud with me in the comments, that would be fine as well. I love to interact in the comments here on, on, on the channel. And uh, I think that the subject matter here today is something that we all struggle with. So um, I want to talk about this idea of ancient Near Eastern worldviews and, and sort of answer the question or, or think through the question, uh, how much is too much? How much is too much? I remember when I first started getting into um, young age creationism was around the same time that guys like uh, John Walton and Mike Heiser and and others were sort of really beginning to crop up on the scene more uh, popularly. And so interesting, the responses across the board, right? Um, you had... Uh, Man, it was all over the place, right? You you had you had some people who like Mike Heiser is is an example of somebody whose work I, I came to deeply appreciate, and yet on some very significant things he would disagree with Walton, um, and yet they would agree on some other things as well. And then I think of um, uh, William Lane Craig and Lydia McGrew. You know, these are two people that have taken Walton to task on his different ideas and um, at, at various times, and yet you know, still with, with respect for them. And obviously like, these are all very smart people <laughs> and, uh, lots of Hebrew scholars, um, who would affirm, uh, you know, young earth six day creationism who seem to have just as, as, as much by in the way of like academic credentials and all of that as many of these other uh, people. And they're credentialed in, in Semitics and old Testament studies and, um, and ancient near Eastern studies. And it's like, uh, there's so many experts on, different sides of these issues that sometimes it can be hard to know where to plant our flag. And um, so there are a couple things that I just want to think through here. How much is too much? How, what is the usefulness? Understanding that Israel, and let's just contextualize this a little bit for, for everyone here, in case you're new. Um, Israel um, was an ancient people. Okay, the Hebrew people uh, obviously uh, started with Abraham and his family, and it would be a mistake to think, as we sometimes do, especially like growing up, you know, we don't, we don't really talk that much other than what's in the Bible, you know, about the other people groups that were around them. Um, and even, even so, like in Sunday school and church and all growing up, you don't think about those as sort of being like, you know, distinct people that you're living on top of and you have worldview ideas and, and all sorts of things in the mix. And as you get, you know, older and more mature and you start thinking about some of this stuff, it, it becomes more uh, forefront. And especially once you get into apologetics and theology, you're just surrounded by it. And 
And, and so you, you tend to sort of project a little bit and think, well, everybody in the ancient Near East believed like um, Israel does. And of course, the Bible is sort of like that measuring stick um, against which all else should be compared. And then the, the more you learn, you realize that that's not entirely true, right? That there were uh, shared concepts. There were, uh, for example, similar proverbs in other um, um you know, cultures uh, from around. There are similar uh, elements to things that we find in Hebrew scriptures that we find in other cultures. For example, um, the fact that we are made in the image of God, right? That's a very sort of uh, Christianese thing to say, and it's a very Christian thing to think. At the same time, in the other ancient Near Eastern cultures, their gods also had images, okay? Now, their gods and their images were a little bit different, but they still had uh, images, right? It was the same sort of thing. Um, when we think about Jesus and his disciples, well, Jesus was a rabbi, and rabbis have disciples. They have followers, and there are rules around that. It's not, uh, it's not just what it is in the Bible. There are additional layers uh, to it. And so it could be hard to know, well, do— I know some creationists who will totally dismiss A&E, Ancient Near Eastern, worldview thinking at all, okay? Um, the, the thought is, if you try to apply any of this ancient Near Eastern thought to the biblical writers, then uh, you're going to come up with error because they were theologically wrong. And again, the Bible said it, that settles it, and that's all there is to it. There's no more to it. Um, and there was probably a time when, when I held those thoughts. Um, honestly, my thinking, and I'm jumping around from my notes a little bit here, I'm really just kind of blue-skying today. I hope that's okay. Um, Really, uh, I had to come to terms with this in a, in a new way uh, when I discovered the work of Dr. Michael Heiser, uh, who's recently passed on to be with the Lord. And if you didn't agree with everything Heiser said, okay, fine. Like, I'm not here to fight about that. Um, I, uh, but I found his ideas to ring true. Um, I thought his ideas were very sound. And, of course, there are tons of things that he said and believed that I disagreed with. Um, but I, uh, I definitely believed the main thrust of his argument for the divine counsel worldview um, when others like Tim Chafee uh, argued for it as well. Uh, he's got a book called Fallen that's really good. And I I believe it. I, I, I really think that the broad strokes of the divine counsel worldview are true, even if some of the other details I, I don't agree with. And so that's the thing, right? I, I'm looking at this guy, uh, Mike Heiser, who I agree with on like, you know, 70 or 80 percent of what he says. And the other 20 or 30 percent, I'm like, uh, I really strongly disagree with that. And by the way, that's OK. Like, you know, you know, we're not talking about anything revolutionary here. You don't have to um, believe what anybody says wholesale. Uh, and that goes for whoever. I don't have to believe Ken Ham wholesale, just like I don't have to believe Todd Wood wholesale, just like I don't have to believe Mike Heiser wholesale or whoever else you want to insert there. OK, it doesn't work that way. Um, and yeah, we still want to sort of think through, well, can we allow for the biblical writers to have had a little bit of ancient Near Eastern influence? To what degree was that influence there, um, et cetera? Well, we definitely know there was some influence um, because otherwise you wouldn't have many biblical passages full of warnings to the ancient Hebrews about not marrying, about not intermingling, about not basically associating with these other people, with other gods, uh, because of those reasons, because of being led astray to follow 
and, and worship other gods. So the the fact that that mere possibility was there um, suggests that most certainly this is something that was happening. Um, we 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 also see a profound uh, cultural awareness from some of the biblical writers of what was going on in the cultures around. Again, Moses was very trained in the ways of Egypt, and um, the uh, uh, the Exodus um, narratives are written with uh, so much polemic force um, against the gods of Egypt. And I highly recommend to read through Dr. John Curran's book called Against the Gods uh, to get just uh, just a huge amount of color applied to the uh, to the biblical text. He's a very conservative scholar, teaches at a Reformed university, um, uh, if he's not left, here uh, in Charlotte, just uh, a few miles down the road from me here in North Carolina. So um, it's interesting. I, another a big sort of shift that's happened is uh, what I'm calling just old thinking versus new thinking, right? There are, um, when I, again, first started getting into this stuff, um, a lot of the, the thinking about the... Um, uh, about the creation issue was like old earth creationism uh, versus young earth creationism. Now, because of a lot of the the shift in thinking that has happened, thanks to um, ancient Near Eastern thinking and, and those who have sort of popularized this, um, I see a bigger divide between any creationism at all and then what some would call no age creationism, right? So you've actually sort of got this idea where, um, if you can imagine, you've sort of got Ken Ham and Hugh Ross you know, the, 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 uh, the model figure of, of young earth creationism and the model figure of old earth creationism almost united on some fronts uh, against this sort of growing movement that says, well, the Bible doesn't speak to the age of the earth at all. And that is born out of ancient Near Eastern um, uh, thinking. And so um, there's a lot of people. And this is, this is I, I think, the original reason for me bringing up this topic and wanting to talk through it and think through it out loud is there's a lot of people who, whenever the conversation around creationism crops up, they immediately think that the ancient Near Eastern worldview invalidates young age creationism, okay? They're thinking, I'm not a creationist because, insert something about the ancient Near Eastern worldview here. And I'm like, okay, but how does that make sense, okay? Because there are specific claims in the text and specific um, uh, logical deductions that we can actually make from studying the text, as people have done for thousands of years now, that come to the conclusion, that lead us to the conclusion of young age creationism. And the only, I think probably the biggest blow that you could deal to the biblical young age creationist argument is if you could actually show that the uh, uh, chronogenealogies in Genesis 5 and Genesis 11 those, um, they're the only genealogies in ancient uh, writing at all that I'm aware of uh, that um, use this sort of chronological information that would allow us to construct an exact uh, uh, date for the amount of time there. Um, in fact, it would take nearly 300 missing generations to add even 10,000 years to that timeline. Okay, so I really think that we're on good solid footing here um, to reject that idea. Okay, um, there has been no definite uh, cipher of any kind that you can point to from another ancient culture that we're looking at for these genealogies and saying, oh yeah, this is definitely how they are meant to be interpreted. Right now, it is sort of a ancient Near Eastern worldview of the gaps argument going on there. From the data that we have, the biblical data, um, I don't see any reason to think that we cannot take these and accept these as uh, chronological information. The closest that you get, uh, according to Dr. William Lane Craig, is the Sumerian kinglet. 
lists, and even that, we're just dealing with orders of magnitude on the amount of time suggested in these chronologies. Um, it really doesn't have anything to do with the biblical uh, chronologies, and I frankly don't see any correlation between them. So um, I think people who say this, who say, well, the ancient Near Eastern worldview takes away from young age creationism, I think they're missing the point. Okay, here's another way this happens. Okay, another way this happens is when with the discussion of concordism. Concordism is the idea that there's supposed to be some sort of direct one to one sort of scientific mapping uh, between events happening as described in the Bible and then events happening as they were described uh, essentially by science. So, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Boom, that is the Big Bang, right? That is sort of concordism um, on display. Of course, there's also a young earth creationist version of concordism. Um, again, though, we're missing the point. Even if we can't necessarily take uh, items that we understand from modern science and map them one-to-one -to, -one to statements in the Bible, even if we can't do that, that does not invalidate the core claim of young age creationism. So I don't I don't, again, it might, it might hurt some of, of our interpretations of, of certain passages of Scripture, but it doesn't hurt the overall core thesis of young age creationism. Um, so I think that's a huge concern as well. The fact is that the worldview of others in the ancient Near East can tell us a lot about um, Israel, can tell us a lot about ancient practices in general, things that were happening in the world, things culturally that the Israelites might have been exposed to and were doing. It can tell us a lot. There's lots of information there, but it just can't tell us everything. And again, I'll just point you back to the work of some um, highly intelligent uh, conservative scholars who are ancient Near Eastern experts, John Currid, uh, John Oswald, David Fouts, um, uh, Bill Barrick, and many others who um, are are sort of able to look at this and say, well, yeah, uh, very clearly um, there was some ancient Near Eastern influence on Israel, but Israel clearly held a fundamentally different worldview than the worldview held by these other ancient Near Eastern um, um, authors and, and, and thinkers and, and people, okay? Um, uh, Dr. John Oswald's book, um, um, The Bible Among the Myths, is one of my favorite books that sort of demonstrates this. It shows the similarities and shows the differences and shows, um, I believe successfully, that the differences far outweigh the uh, similarities. So the, the notion that ancient Near Eastern studies somehow takes away from, from uh, biblical teaching um, is, I think, faulty. And I think more and more Christians should become uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern scholars, right? More and more committed, passionate Christians who love the Lord should become ancient Near Eastern scholars and learn all there is to know about it. And I, particularly, I think it's important for creationists to be up on this information so we sort of know the limits of what we're looking at. And you can help people like me and, and others who listen to this podcast think through questions like, how much ancient Near Eastern worldview is too much? Does an ancient Near Eastern worldview invalidate certain interpretations I currently hold of the Bible? Does the fact that the Bible, uh, that the biblical writers were situated in the ancient Near East somehow invalidate young age creationism? Okay, the more we can answer these questions without um, swinging to one side of the fence or the other, you know, it's like, again, I, I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's not that the ancient Near Eastern um, uh, worldview of the authors, of the, of the biblical authors, you know, like, like somehow diminishes all this biblical teaching. It's also not the case that there was no ancient Near Eastern influence on the biblical authors. There clearly was. So the 
Truth is somewhere in the middle, and the more that we can learn to think clearly about this stuff and make appropriate distinctions, I think the better off we'll be. So that's what I have for you this time, thinking out loud about how much is too much, the ancient Near Eastern worldviews. Let me know in the comments below how you think about this problem, and we'll see you guys on the next episode of the podcast.